Well, good morning to everyone, or good evening, however you're listening to this. I just want to put this here that I preached today, so I hope it encourages you, hope that um, you'd get something from it, and uh, I hope that you would be blessed from it. I just pray, Lord, that everything will go well. And I just pray, Lord, that this word will encourage. And, uh, yeah, and bring your people to you. Convict them of their sin. I hope you enjoy. God bless. Yeah, Lord, um, thank you for the Psalms. Thank you for the psalmists. Those that write of um, things that we go through, uh, Lord, they are an inspiration to us. They are guidance. They are our counsel. Lord, we thank you for your word that it gives us that counsel. And I pray today, Lord, that your word will be delivered and that it would give us this counsel today, that it would guide us to, to you, Jesus, that it would lead us to you, our, our light and our salvation. I really do pray. In Jesus' name, I ask. Amen. So, um, if you keep to Psalm 73, I um, encourage you to turn to that and we'll, we'll go through that. So, when we first start with Psalm 73, the title of the psalm is The End of the Wicked Contrasted with That of the Righteous. The psalm details the actions of those who are against the Lord and blaspheme and mock him. And the psalmist cries out to the Lord in despair, not understanding why the wicked prosper and why the righteous suffer in doing good. First off, we look to verse 1 and 2. We can include ourselves into this as the church, a chosen people grafted in amongst true Israel who have been saved by grace. The true saved people of Israel look to the promise of their deliverance from eternal death, that a Messiah would come from God, would crush the head of the serpent, And that God would rescue Israel from the enemy, both physical and spiritual. True Israel realised it was by faith one was saved, not by works. Remember, it was by faith Abraham was saved. Surely God is good to Israel, to those pure in heart. The first verse proclaims God's praise. And in studying this psalm, I couldn't help but realise the entire psalm is written in past tense. He uses words such as had, was. His praise for God is intense, as an exclamation mark is used. He loves the Lord and gives him glory for his goodness. You could say the psalmist is telling a story. He praises God and then gives a testimony of what what the Lord has done in his own life. So in verse 2 to 3, the psalmist directs the attention to himself. 
that he comes close to stumbling, that his steps almost slipped, for he was envious of the arrogant, as he saw the prosperity of the wicked. The psalmist explains he almost fell into the same sins of those who reject the Lord and are arrogant of his word. The psalmist was jealous and envious at the way those who sinned and got away with it with no judgment or discipline. He may have even questioned the same as Jeremiah in Jeremiah 12. Why has the way of the wicked prospered while those who deal in treachery at ease? The psalmist is not the first to wonder why the wicked prosper. Many saints and Old Testament writers have written of the very same experience. As we continue, we will see these scriptures more in depth. But first, some examination of our heart is required. As people of the Lord and those saved by grace, we must examine ourselves honestly and truthfully to see if we are really saved and born again. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 reads, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognise this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you failed the test? Verse 4 to 11 explains who the wicked are and the actions of the wicked. And we will look at this in depth as a time of examination of ourselves. We are to ask and question any attribute of our life that is contrary to God's word. To those listening who are not born again, you are not being attacked or being targeted or any way, but you are being told in love the reality of your actions. I yearn for you to come to Christ, to be saved, to avoid the eternal punishment to come and flee from that easy and prosperous life that puts you on the wide path to hell. To those saved and born again, this is an examination of our hearts. We must remember 1 John 3, verse 8 to 10. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Because who does, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now we go back to Psalm 73 to see these attributes that are not of Christ, of those who are not in Christ. Verse 4. They have no pain in their death. There is often a quick and easy death. True is the case that people do suffer and have illnesses, but often death is easy for them. They've enjoyed their life and wish to be cast away with nature and endless space. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just lost my place. Verse 4, they have no pain in their death. There is often a quick and easy death. True is the case that people do suffer and have illnesses, but most often death is easy for them. 
They've enjoyed their life wish to be cast away with nature and have endless peace. Our society has been taught that after death we become dust and part of space. Such is not the case. But after death comes the judgment. I ask you, do you believe this? Their body is fat. The psalmist doesn't speak about physical weight, but talks of the one who is engorged in sin, lavished in sin, all their life, with no ounce of regret, but loving every moment of it. I ask you again, are you engorging in sin, preparing yourself for the fire? Please turn from your sin and come to Christ. Verse 5. They never have any trouble. Life is carefree, prosperous. People are not plagued with all sorts of dilemmas. I ask you, Christian, is your life easy? This is not necessarily a good thing, for we will be persecuted and mocked. We will endure suffering and pain in this life. We will have to sacrifice those worldly pleasures and carry our cross. The Christian life is hard and is a narrow road. For those who believe it's an easy road, remember, wide is the road that leads to hell, and many are on it. For the born again, former relationships are cut, and friendship with the world doesn't even become an option. We struggle in many ways, in temptation, spiritual battles, and physical attacks from those who are against Christ. Those who are not saved do not experience these troubles. I ask you, are you someone who has an easy life or someone who has a hard life? Verse 6, pride is their necklace. Pride is prevalent in our society. People love themselves, think highly of themselves. They believe that their way is right and are ignorant of truth, but deceive themselves with lies. They wear this as a necklace for all to see. The world is very much fighting over themselves to be at the top. As a Christian, are you prideful? Also, violence covers them. Given the occasion and the ability to commit a violent action towards someone else, the opportunity will not be lost. When we look at the context, we know that the enemies of Israel were increasingly violent and seek to destroy Israel. You often see in the Psalms, the psalmists crying out to the Lord for intervention. It seems today actions are not the case. However, violence manifests in different ways, especially within the heart. It is by God's grace that he restrains men from such things. When we look at ourselves, ask, are we full of pride? Do we understand that those who exalt themselves will be humbled? Are you willing to kick people down to grab the first place? Also remember, Jesus said, the first will be last and the last will be first. Verse 7. Their eyes bulge in fatness and the imagination of their hearts run wild. In regards to the heart of men, the heart is desperately wicked. It schemes and plots against others. It has no real care for God and it despises and rejects God. The imagination is free. There is no restriction or guilt. Whatever feels good or pleasurable is done without thought for any consequence of their actions. The many ways they can commit sin is exciting in the mind and they are free to do as they please. Their eyes bulge with the lust fat. 
with the sight of everything they desire that God despises. I ask you, do your eyes bulge with the fatness of lust into things that are not yours? Does the imagination of your heart run wild? Do you have self-control? Is the word of God hidden in your heart so that you would not sin? Does the Holy Spirit reign over your conscience, warning you of such things? We thank the Lord that the Holy Spirit helps us in our condition of our heart. And we thank him that he warns us of such sins. Verse 8 and 9. They mock and speak from on high. They set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongue parades through the earth. These are those who mock God's people. Who speak endless blasphemies before the Lord. They curse him and do not care to praise him. I ask you, are you someone who persecutes God's people? Or curses God? Do you blaspheme him? Is there any hatred in your heart towards Jesus who died for your sins? Remember the Pharisees who prided themselves and thanked God that they were not like the lost. Remember the Apostle Paul, how he persecuted God's people and thought he was doing a service to God. Be careful how we treat our brothers and sisters. Be careful not to use the name of the Lord in vain. Verse 12. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease and increased wealth. The psalmist lists every single attribute of those who are not saved as a statement before the Lord. The psalmist cries out to the Lord, begging for judgments, quickly deal with those who behave in such manner. And almost saying, why are you not God dealing with this? Why am I suffering why do they have an easy life when they do this much against you? Now, in saying all of this, I do not point a finger to anyone particular in this church, and that is not my intent to do so. If any of this has been brought to your attention and you feel this is spoken to you directly, then the Lord is calling you to turn to Christ and repent. I know many of you don't do such things. Now, we now transition to the next half of the psalm and see the psalmist complain. How often do we find ourselves complaining of the easy life of those who are not saved? How often we may complain of our difficulties and pain in life? Surely we do this in vain. We strive and we struggle only to receive nothing but more pain and grief. Why is this so? Why do the wicked prosper and the righteous perish? Well, God answers Jeremiah in chapter 12, uh, 14 to 17. Thus says the Lord concerning all my wicked neighbours who strike at the inheritance of which I have endowed my people Israel. Behold, I am about to uproot them from their land and will uproot the house of Judah from among them. And it will come about that after I have uprooted them, I will again have compassion on them. I will bring them back, each one to his inheritance and each one to his land. Then if they will really learn the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, they will be built up in the midst of my people. But if they will not listen, then I will uproot that nation, uproot and destroy it, declares the Lord. 
The Lord is patient and uses his people to build us up. We are salt and light to the dark world we live in. God is not slow in his promises of his judgment. He expects us to be fruitful, to spread the gospel of the Lord. Even though the wicked have no justice now, our job is not to envy them and be jealous. But in spite of their easy life and our hard life, we are to speak the better way. We must communicate that the easy way is leading to hell. The hard way is a narrow way through faith in Jesus alone by, Christ, by grace. If you are Phil, you, you do everything in vain and everything you do is not worth anything. You mistake yourselves. Because God does say in Malachi chapter 4, chapter 3, verse 14 to 18, and chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is in vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? Now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of the wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. You will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the sole of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. And we also know Revelation those will stand before God and will have to give an account for their lives. We then see that the psalmist realises he will tarnish his reputation and witness for God. He will portray God's people if he goes against them, if he, he, he falls into the temptation of doing the things of those that are wicked. It reveals... We are to be people that are not to be tempted into giving up. We betray our, our brothers and sisters. We betray the Lord and our witness is destroyed. Our enemies have won and taken us captive we fall into their trap. Likewise, we are to be careful to keep our integrity, not to be ashamed of Jesus. Instead of acting like the world, stand out for Christ, speak his name. And when the opportunity arises, stand firm. Do not be moved. Stand for Christ. If we reject him, he will reject us. It is only by the word of God that we have direction and guidance. It is by it that we know 
how the devil uses his attacks against us. It reveals our flaws and our problems and it gives us the end result. It tells us everything from beginning to end. The sanctuary of the Lord is his word and the sanctuary is coming before the Lord in an attitude of prayer and obedience. It is this that the psalmist perceived the end of the wicked. The psalmist recognises the judgment of the Lord will occur, that all men will have to stand before, before the judgment of God, before the Lord. Likewise, we must remember the Lord will judge people. And from 2 Romans, we see this exact thing, as was read earlier. And we must also know that there will be those who will be cast away when Jesus says, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let us examine our hearts. And this is not said as a rebuke, it's not said as something that is to rebuke you or put you down, but this is, this is said in, in love to, for you to cling to Christ and come to Christ, for he is the only way. As words of encouragement to my brothers and sisters, please remember that this very verse in, in Hebrews 6, verse 10 to 12. For God is not unjust as to forget your work and the love with which you have shown towards his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence as to realise the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Jesus says, the least you do for the saints, you did for me. If we feed our brothers when hungry, we did it for the Lord. Nothing you ever do for the Lord is in vain. Finally, the psalmist recognises his complaining was of ignorance. He was corrected by the word of God and coming into prayer. The Lord answered him. As the psalmist says, the Lord's counsel will guide me and receive me to glory. May the word of God forever be our counsel and guide. The Lord will judge the wicked and will give them their reward, which is hell. The wicked have had enough chances to repent and turn to the Lord. He gives them many opportunities to come to him in obedience and yet they refuse. It is not our place to judge the world and accuse God. It is not our place to despise others. We must take our refuge in the Lord Jesus and tell people of the works of the Lord in, in your life. Witness to those who don't know Jesus, to those listening who don't know Christ. He is the way, the truth and the life. Those who are far from God and do not obey him and reject him will perish. Yet, the Gospel of John says that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Turn to Christ. Reject your pleasures that are killing you. Give these things up. Take the cross. Although heavy and a long road, you will see eternal life by carrying it. You will have meaning. You will find peace that surpasses all understanding and you will find purpose. In a world of a pandemic, 
and uncertainty. May the nearness of God become your good. Lean on him and trust in him. It's the only way to salvation. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to my brothers and sisters. You would reveal your word to them. Lord, that you would comfort them. Allow them to know, Lord, that Jesus is the only way. Let them lean on you. Take, take your yoke, because it's light and easy, Lord. Even though we carry that cross, we know, Lord, that in the same way that your yoke is light and easy, and, Lord, that your Holy Spirit helps us to live that life. And I just pray for those listening that may not know Christ, that they would cling to you, they would recognise that they have fallen short, that there is no way that they could be saved. But Lord, speak to them today, that Lord, there is a way they can be saved. That Lord, even though they've fallen short, even though they've broken all the laws, even though they've, they've sinned in every way, that Lord, that you call out to them to reach out to you, Lord, to, to cry out to you to save them. For Lord, I believe that your word promises that those who call out to the Lord in attitude of faith, that you'd have grace upon them and you would save them. So I just pray that you would save people today, Lord, that you would bring people to repentance, bring an examining of the hearts. And I just pray that your will will be done and you would be glorified today. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen.